We're continuing in our series, Ready for More, and for us, Heartland, God's continued to lean us into knowing His promises and embracing those promises, living out our life in light of those promises. And the question is, in my own heart, am I ready for more? More of Jesus, more of His promise, more of His power. So Steve Weatherford is going to join us and open up Ready for More Courage today. So join me in welcoming Steve this morning. It was uh, it's about four years ago in April, uh, and my kids, it was about a week leading up to April Fool's Day, and my kids kept asking me, Dad, what are you going to do to us on April Fool's Day? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not that kind of person. I would never torment my children. They know that was a lie because I always torment my children. And so for like the week leading up to it, they were, they were getting antsy. They were like, Dad, no, seriously, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I was like, I'm not going to do anything, guys. I don't, I don't have anything planned. Don't worry about it. Just relax. Don't worry about it. And I honestly didn't have anything planned. I did have an event the morning of the first, which happened to be a Saturday. There was a run that I was a part of. I didn't run. I was helping run the event, but I was not running. <laughs> uh, but I was up early, and then I was coming home early, and I was like, hey, you know what? I should stop and get my kids donuts. So I stopped and got them donuts. Um, you know, Clara, my oldest, loved like a long john with chocolate icing and cream filling. And, and then Charlie loves a good apple fritter. Who doesn't, right? And then Evelyn, she at the time, she's informed me now that this is no longer the case, but at the time she loved anything with sprinkles on it, right? So it was pink with all kinds of colorful sprinkles. And I bought these donuts and I brought them home. And uh, I thought, you know, I, I had this thought. I was like, I know what I'm going to do. And so I took out our best platter, like the platter we get out on Thanksgiving, and I put the donuts on the platter, and I brought it into the living room where they're watching TV, and I set it down, and I was like, hey, kids, I have brought you donuts. Please enjoy. And I, like, stepped back. And uh, you have never seen children so leery of donuts in your entire life. I'm serious. They were, like, sniffing them. They were like dissecting them with toothpicks and stuff. They were trying to figure out what was wrong with these donuts. I did nothing to the donuts, okay? I just gave the kids donuts because I'm a great dad. And finally, it was probably about 10 minutes later, Evelyn, she was like, I don't care. I'm eating the donut. I don't care what you guys think. So she took a bite and everyone else watched. She was the canary and they watched her and she didn't die. And so then they were like, she was like, I think they're okay. And then my kids started slowly. I've never seen children eat donuts this slow in my entire life, slowly eating their donuts. We're now 25 minutes into this whole thing, okay? And they're eating their donuts slowly, carefully, looking for razor blades or something. And I just asked one question. I kind of chuckled, thought to myself, and I said, hey guys, how do your legs feel? <laughs> and I've done nothing to the donuts. Nothing. But I, I love that my wife lets me experiment on these psychological experiments on my kids. My son, Charlie, falls to the ground. With the, with the mention of the question, he falls to the ground and his legs don't work. And he's like dragging himself in his apple fritter across the living room floor. He's like, what did you do to us? And my daughter, Claire, is like, 
I can't, what's, my, my legs are numb. And then, and then she's like, has this horrific look on her face. She goes, I can't feel my arm either. <laughs> my children are paralyzed, literally paralyzed with fear. Now, while it's fun to pick on your kids and, and do mean tricks to them, that's why I became a parent. I think it's a better picture of where we're at as a culture. And that's what I want to talk about today. I see a lot of people in our culture who are paralyzed by fear. And uh, we're in this new series, and it's a great series. Shabu and Brad have done an awesome job setting this up where we are just, we're in some ways waiting for more or ready for more, as the series is called, because in other ways we are deficient, right? We're needing something. You don't need more of something if you have enough of it, right? And so we are in a place, I think as a church, as a culture, as a country, in the world, as human beings, where we need more courage. Would you agree? Well, welcome. I'm Steve Weatherford. I pester my children. I attend here at Heartland, and I'm just glad to be here with you guys today. Um, Jumping right back in, let's look at the the textbook definition of courage. Um, it, It doesn't do me any good to say, hey, you guys just need to have more courage and not define it, so let's define courage. Uh, From the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, uh, courage is a mental or moral strength to venture, preserve, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. There's a couple cool things about courage, right? First of all, if your life is easy, you don't get to have courage, right? Right? If your life is going swimmingly and nothing's ever happened wrong to you, well, good for you, okay? You don't need courage. But... On the flip side, if you've got danger or hardship or trouble in your life, then this is for you. Courage is for you. Would anyone just be bold enough to admit that there may or may not be some form of danger or hardship or trouble in their life? Is that anyone here? Yeah. You know, as I've looked around our country in the last year or so, it's been a little over a year since since we shut down our country because of a pandemic. And as I look around our country, I just get this sense that fear, like fear itself, is a commodity in our culture. Would you agree or disagree? I mean, it's everywhere we go. Fear sells. Actually, fear sells things. The only place we can go and not get fear is the news, right? Because they would never do that to us. In fact, I've, I've just been, been, been thinking so much about fear that I've, that I've done a little research, and I want to I just let you know about fear as far as God is concerned, okay? Because I don't know if you're like me, but there's some tension there, because I see throughout Scripture, and we're going to look at a passage today where Jesus does this, but I see throughout Scripture where Jesus is like, don't be afraid, why are you afraid? Hey, don't be afraid. And then I see other times where God's like, fear me, fear, fear the Lord your God, And so what are we supposed to do, right? Am I the only one that gets a little sideways in that and not knowing what to do? Well, there's three types of fear that I'd love to look at from Scripture. The first type of fear would be reverential fear, okay? This is what I would call, I don't say the word reverential very often. This is what I would call holy fear. This is where you are in awe of God and who he is, okay? So when, when you see in Scripture, fear the Lord your God or fear of God, 
This is what they're talking about. Um, I, I've, I've thought for a long time how to, to make this make sense to me. And, and trains are the best way I can think about this. All right, so when I think of fear of God, I think of trains. Because I live in Gardner, there's lots of trains. My kids have had toy trains. I've stepped on toy trains in my hallway in the middle of the night, but I'm not afraid of trains. I don't see a choo-choo train and go, oh no. I'm not afraid of trains. But I also don't drive on train tracks. And I don't park my car in front of a train and say, yeah, let's see what you can do. You know, it's just it's not what I do. Because I know and I have a reverential fear of what a train can do and the power that a train holds. Does that make sense? So likewise with God, I just believe in what I know of God that it's better for me to be with him and going along with his power than to be standing in and against him. It will not go well for you. You should be afraid. Scripture says, fear somebody who can not just destroy your life, but fear someone who can destroy your afterlife. You know, it's like this, God, be with God in this, okay? Does that make sense, reverential fear? The second one would be natural fear, or, or as they would say, constitutional fear. Well, constitutional fear is just what you're born with. You know, when you come out all wrinkly and like an ugly raisin, you already have a couple fears in you. Does this make sense? Uh, when, when you come out, you instinctively fear loud noises. Babies will cry when you make a loud noise. Babies, newborns, are afraid of falling. It's like innate in them, this fear of falling. And then also, scientifically, it's been proven that every baby is afraid that the offensive line will not protect Patrick Mahomes and he'll have a career-ending injury. So we have these fears in us. These are natural fears, right? You know, when I was a kid, I wasn't afraid of talking back to my mom until I talked back to my mom in front of my dad. And then I had this healthy fear of talking back to my mom after that, right? We learn these things. We touch a hot stove, we, we, we learn fear. And this is where we have an enemy, and this enemy is so sneaky and crafty because he's a great deceiver, and Satan twists things that God gives us to hurt us and to hurt a relationship with God. So, God take, so Satan takes these fears that God has given us, and he twists them slightly, and they become what I would call a carnal fear or a chronic fear. And this is where people choose to live in a place of fear and it's devastating. These are the fears that are what I would call harmful fears. This is, this is anxiety, this is terror, this is dread. It literally has physical effects on our body that we're going to talk about in a minute. But this is carnal fear. I've chosen a passage um, from Matthew chapter 14 and I think it's important because it actually highlights all three of these types of fear. You guys want to go there and look at that story with me? So Jesus um, finds himself in the midst, um, and his disciples too, in the midst of some pretty intense days. So in the early part of chapter 14, someone is beheaded because they follow Jesus. Yeah, John the Baptist, he gets his head chopped off. That's what beheaded means. I had to look that one up. No, he gets his head chopped off and it's... And it's like, scary. For anyone following Jesus, it's really scary. Like, you could die for professing Jesus. At the same time, shortly after that, Jesus does this miracle. He feeds 5,000 people, and then you're like on the top of the world. You're like, woohoo! Jesus does miracles, and we're with him. We're like a part of his posse. Yes. And then Jesus says, hey guys, 
to the disciples. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend some time with God. I'm gonna go up in the hills here and pray and spend some time in solitude. Would you guys hop in the boat, head across the sea, and then I'll meet you over there later? And they're like, how are you gonna get there, Jesus? I don't know. But they do, they do it. And then Jesus is spending some time in prayer where the story picks up in chapter 24 and it goes something like this. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. So there's no land in sight. They are far away and they are in trouble. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. And the, the Greek in this is really intense. Like we say trouble and they were fighting heavy waves, but the word in the Greek is the same word that we use for torture. They were literally being tortured and battered and beaten to death in the middle of an ocean. That's a scary thing. I, I would not want to be there. I, I think one, dying and drowning is one of my biggest fears. I think that'd be horrible. So these guys think they're going to die. They're in this boat and they're, they're screaming and they're crying and doing whatever they do. And it says about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. There's this word phobeo. It's like, it's, it's just the worst of fears. It's where we get phobias, right? It's this horror, terror. And, and they see Jesus and they think he's a ghost. So not only did they think they're going to die, now they're seeing ghosts walking on water. And uh, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. And he said, don't be afraid. Would you guys say that with me again? Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Well, easy for you to say, Jesus, you're walking on water. Right? Am I the only one that thinks that? There's another part of the Gospels where Jesus is asleep in a boat and the same type of storm's like going to kill everybody. And they like wake him up and they're like, Jesus, Jesus. And he's like, why are you so afraid, guys? And he's like, we're dying. That's why we're afraid. This is why they're afraid. What a, what a crazy thing to say, don't be afraid. But I think it's what he says after that is the most important. Because he says, don't be afraid. But then he says, take courage. I am here. Take courage. I am here. In that very statement, he's saying, rest assured, you will get through this, not because of anything that you do, but because I am. This is a refrain back to the Old Testament. God calls himself, I am. It means all powerful, all knowing, all everything. I am God. And Jesus says, I am God and I am here. Take courage, because I'm here. And Peter, because Peter's awesome, he gets it wrong all the time and he gets it right all the time at the same time. I love his tenacity. He's like, he sees Jesus and he calls out to him and he says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus is like, yeah, come on, boy. Actually, that's probably not what happened. There's still a storm happening. Waves are rocking the boat. Jesus was probably like, yes, Peter, come to me. And Peter's like, okay. Because that's what happens in the movies with storms and boats. Um, but but he, he went over the side of the boat. And he walked on water towards Jesus. 
the nerve of some people, right? He should have known better. He can't walk on water. So he gets out of the boat. He's walking on water. He's looking at Jesus. He's talking to Jesus. Everything's great. Everything's honky-dory. He goes down in history, right? Except fear starts bubbling up. I'm not supposed to walk on water. When I walk on water, I sink. People don't walk on water. These waves are horrible. They're beating us up. All my friends are going to die. I'm going to die. These fears start coming up. And he looks around. And we know that he looks around because it says he saw the waves and the strong wind. And we also know that if he sees those, he's not seeing Jesus. And he takes his eyes off Jesus. And he begins to sink. And he does what I love about Peter is he says the right thing in that moment. He says, save me, Lord. He shouted it, save me. And so Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he said, you have so little faith. Ouch, <laughs> right? He could have been like, I got you, Peter. But he's like, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And I don't think Peter, Jesus reached out and grabbed Peter's hand and just like, drug him under the water over to the boat. I don't think that's what happened. I don't know. I wasn't there. But, but I'm guessing that Jesus reached out and grabbed Peter's hand and he was now standing on water too. And Jesus was saying, why did you doubt what I can do when I am here? Do you not have any faith that I am? Right? And I love that, that they get back in the boat and the storm stops. The water is placid and they're like, dang, that was close, you know? We almost died. But their first reaction is one of reverential fear. When they say, you really are the son of God. Like they exclaimed, they're like, no, if we had any doubts at all that you were the son of God, you really are the son of God. And Jesus is like, that's what I've been trying to say, guys. <laughs> you see, I think we live in a place where fear has become such a commodity and such commonplace in our culture, it's actually revered in some, in some ways and it's not good for us. Jesus did not create us to fear, to live in fear. He created us to have fear so that we could be safe, but to live in it is not of Jesus. Does that make sense? And, and seriously, guys, fear has so many side effects. The medical industry is just starting to figure this out. Like fear wreaks havoc on our bodies. If you look at chronic fear, it, it affects our immune system, our endocrine system functions. It, it, it affects our automatic, automatic, that's a big word. All you doctors are laughing at me. Uh, affects our nervous system, sleep-wake cycle disruptions, eating disorders. Uh, it, it affects our alterations in our hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. Use that one at, the, at the, the water cooler tomorrow. Headaches turning into migraines, muscle aches turning into fibromyalgia, body aches turning into chronic pain, difficulty breathing turning into asthma. Disassociation from self, unable to have loving feelings, learned helplessness, phobic anxiety, mood swings, obsessive compulsive thoughts, 
continued living in fear generating situations due to uncertainty of moving out or the unknown associated dangers like you can't get out of the situation you're in because you're afraid of getting out of the situation you're in and then ultimately we find ourselves afraid to leave home because of paranoia and I don't know about you but but I know a lot of people who live in chronic fear and, and if you hear anything this morning, hear this. God says to you, I am here. I'm here. You see, there's this problem in our culture, and I think it's this. It's that we have not really fully understood the promises and the power of God. Well, it's, it's one or the other, right? That's right. And we, be, we become victims of fear when we don't know or understand the promises or the power of God. That'd be the, that would be like, okay. You know, it's like, okay, you don't know. Let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about his promises. Let me tell you about his power in your life over the things you're afraid of. The other would be when we don't believe. That's a little scarier, right? It makes me cringe a little bit. Like, do I not believe the promises of God or do I not believe that God has the power? Do I not have enough faith like Peter to believe that God is good and that he is in control? It's a question. Second Timothy chapter one, there's a verse that I've just been living in for the last year or so. And uh, it goes like this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Maybe you've heard this before, in timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I like the way the Amplified Bible puts it too, because it really unpacks those things. And so look at it in the Amplified Bible. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline. Abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. I believe that, honestly, this is the template for courage. What does it look like for you in the face of your unhealthy fears to begin to believe and to have faith in the power of God? You know, Romans, it says that, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us as believers. Like, we have that power at our access. Do we believe that? Do we, do we find ourselves open to accepting the love of God in our lives? You know, the scripture says perfect love casts out fear. So if we truly accept God's love for us, then I think fear has to go somewhere else. It has no place there. And then ultimately, do we have on our hearts and in our minds the judgment to say, this, this, this self-control to say, that's of God, that is a healthy fear, that is not from the God I serve, that fear. Does that make sense? 
Do we have the ability to discern what is of God, what is a natural fear, and what is a carnal or a harmful fear? And I'm telling you guys, if it, it makes you turn away from God, that's not God. So what are you going to do about it, right? Just have courage, guys. See you tomorrow. Go have a great week. Well, I just I have some questions that help me think through it. And here's, here's the questions that I have posed, and, and I think they might strike something up in your heart. If not, God's gonna, I believe that God's going to speak to you about what he wants you to know. Not me, but God. Where do you need courage? Where do you need courage right now in your life? My guess is it will be in a place where you are currently experiencing fear. Where do you need courage? Can you name it? What's causing you to look away from Jesus? And Peter got caught up in a moment of fear and terror and he looked away from Jesus and he lost his focus on what was and who was most important. What's causing you to do that? Maybe that's another answer to the same question as above. Maybe some of you guys are in a place where you're just desperate I get it, I'm sorry. And you're just needing God to show up in a powerful way. Maybe you just need to experience God's love in a powerful way. Maybe you need to have someone else come alongside you and help you point out that is of God, but that is not of God. Where do you need God's power, his love and his strength? And then lastly, how are you gonna practice it today? I don't know if you're like me or not, but. I go to church at Harlan, I sit in the seat and I'm like, that is a good looking man. He is very smart and intelligent and he just gave a great talk. And then I go eat food and forget about it, right? Because that's what we do on Sundays. You might not say the good looking man part, but I was, I was thinking that about myself. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Like if the creator God of the universe says, do not be afraid, what are we going to do about it? And how are we going to practice courage? I love the word practice because it means we can fail. But it also means that we're trying to have courage. I think about us as a culture, as human beings, uh, with a heavenly father. And I think about myself as a kid laying in bed on a stormy night and there's thunderstorms going on and it's crazy and it's loud and it's scary and I hear noises and it's, everything's dark. And as a kid, I hop up and go where? To my parents' room. You know, you nestle in between your parents and they hold you and the storm doesn't stop. It's just as loud, just as scary, but for some reason, you can sleep because your parents love you and they're there for you and they are powerful. In the same way, that's what God is, wherever you're at. I think Jesus needs you to hear, I am here. I'm here. Would you guys stand with me? Yeah. I'm going to read a psalm that's been 
quite, quite comforting to me in this. And, uh, and hopefully it's comforting to you guys too as we, as we part ways today and begin to wrestle with courage in our lives. It goes like this, and it's from Psalm 34, the first part of it. I will praise the Lord all, at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. And he freed me from all of my fears. Not just some of them. Stinking all of them. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. And he surrounds and defends all who fear him. And this is the great part. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Let's pray. Father God, you are here. You are good. And I doubt it every moment of the day, and I believe it every moment of the day. God, would you allow me to live a life where I boldly and confidently take courage in the fact that you are God and I am not? And God, would you carry those burdens for us that are just too heavy to carry when it comes to fear? And God, would you pour your love, and your power into our lives. Amen. Have a great week, guys.